we are entering Advent season. This is the four Sundays leading up to Christmas. And so we're, we're not going to light candles this year for various reasons, but we do have a virtual candle lighting. And Jessica's agreed to come and do our reading this year for the first week in Advent. Isaiah 9, 2 and verses 6 and 7 says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. On the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it, with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Each year during this time, Christians around the world celebrate the season of Advent. Advent is an ancient word associated with followers of Jesus that literally means the coming or the arrival. This season is a time of preparation. It's a time of preparation of mind, body, soul, and spirit for the coming and arrival of Jesus Christ. In history, God's people anxiously awaited for the birth of Jesus because they believed it was their only hope for all things to be restored. We know how it feels for wanting to be things to be restored. Mm-hmm. This Advent could be even more meaningful, meaningful to us this year. So today, we light the first candle of Advent as we celebrate the birth of Jesus in his first coming and anxiously await his return. Jesus' arrival is the very thing that gives us hope that what is broken in our lives can be made new again. Mm. This season is not an idle waiting, but an active anticipation. God, we recognize our deep longing for a savior. Help us to know that Jesus is the source of our hope. We wait for his arrival Come, Lord Jesus, come. All right. Well, people have a lot of fun with birth announcements. So I want to share a few funny ones that I found online. Um, The first one I'm going to put up there is this one. And I don't know if you could see what it says at the bottom or not, but it says, charged with stealing his parents' heart, and he pleads guilty. I like that one. Here's another cute one. It says, Our latest tax deduction. (laughs) I think that's adorable. And this one's cute, too. I have arrived. Yep. And I I have a feeling that's the way he's going to go through life as well. One more. And all you women who have had boys can relate to this one. I don't know if you can see that or not. But it says it's a boy and he's peeing straight up. Right into the face, and I know that I have experienced that on more than one occasion. Noah, thank you very much. Nowadays, people even have gender reveal parties, and they come up with some pretty creative ways to reveal a baby's gender. Basically, in gender reveals, they do it in very creative ways. Sometimes they'll pop balloons and uh, confetti the color of pink or or blue will come out. There was a really cool one on there with a a guy um, spinning his tires out and it it, um, hit a tube of uh, like powder and blue powder shot out from behind his tires. 
Um, there's a couple of cute ones where they, you know, cut into a cake and they reveal the gender. And uh, it was like the mother-in-law had a heart attack when she found out what um, what what they were having. Oh, no. Uh-uh. So some 2,000 years ago, an angel showed up to a bunch of shepherds who were out in a field, right? And they gave a birth announcement. And now all of those other birth announcements that we saw and we thought were funny and cute, they are put to shame by this one, right? The angel showed up and talked to the shepherds. And um, then that was followed by this amazing song when the sky filled up with thousands upon thousands of angels proclaiming the birth of Jesus. Nobody has ever topped that one. Nobody, right? Um, We're going to take a look at our scripture passage for this morning. We're going to listen to this amazing birth announcement that took place in Bethlehem. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. And this is what it says. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, Peace to those on whom his favor rests. That is a birth announcement, right? That is quite the announcement. Um, The announcement itself is found in verse 11, and I want to read it to you in the King James Version. It's very poetic and beautiful in the King James Version. And then we're going to unpack it just phrase by phrase. It says this, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Now, let's think about each of the phrases in this amazing birth announcement. First, consider the phrase, for unto you. Now, this is personal. A Savior was born to you, to me. When you think about it this way, the Christmas message becomes very personal. Now, you may be thinking, Pastor Sam, those words were spoken to a bunch of shepherds who were out in a field tending their flocks, by an angel. And you are right. But think about a shepherd. A shepherd was in no way among the cream of the crop in society. He had an incredibly important role, but he wasn't respected. Think of the shepherds kind of like our trash collectors. Right? We rely on them. If they don't come, we're hurting, right? I mean, one, they have one holiday off and we're doubled up on our trash. Take a month off and you are thanking God for your trash man, right? But we don't really think about them very much. We don't give them tremendous amount of respect. Remember when Samuel came to anoint the next king of Israel and David's father introduced Samuel to all of his sons except one. Who was it? David. Where was David? Out in the field with the sheep, right? David was forgotten because he was out taking care of the sheep. He was overlooked. He was unimportant. He was inconsequential. And yet somehow he was important to God. So the shepherds matter to God. You matter to God. What's the most famous verse in all of the Bible? 
That's right. John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Right? It starts off for God so loved the world, not just not just the shepherds, but the world. He's not talking about the globe here. He's talking about the people on the globe. We can insert our own names. For God so loved Sam. We're going to try it together. We're going to say, for God so loved, and then we're each going to say our own name. All right? You guys ready? Here we go. For God so loved Sam. Right? Christmas is very personal. It is about you. For unto you is born. He was born. Do you understand that? God was born. He is one of us. The wording here is an echo of the ancient prophecy of Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born. Our Savior was born as a human into this crazy, messed up world. God became man. Jesus stepped out of the glories of heaven to live among us. Emmanuel, God with us. No matter how we prepare ourselves, the reality of new birth astounds us. I remember holding Noah in my arms when he was a baby and looking down at him, right? In my arms, just looking down into his face, this newest member of the human race, all nestled up in my arms. And we can't help but be in awe when that happens. We think here is the future in flesh. He is a legacy, my legacy, to the world. We check the eyes and the mouth and the ears and the nose for any kind of family resemblance. And we marvel at the delicate skin. Most of all, we silently thank the Lord over and over again for a gift so unimaginably wonderful. Can you imagine how intently Joseph and Mary must have studied the child, the child of God? all nestled in their arms. This child who came as an infant to the city of Bethlehem. His coming had been foretold not by physicians. They didn't go have ultrasounds and the doctor said, yep, you're going to have a baby. It's a boy. No, they were told by an angel. That's the first ultrasound, right? Yep, you're pregnant and it's a boy. His coming had been foretold by the angels. If those angels were right, how could they not be right? They were angels after all. Here is, in this starlit night, the Messiah. The one who had been the subject of poems, of songs, and of dreams for thousands of years. Messiah. It was just so hard to imagine such an incarnation when they looked down and they saw this sleeping infant. Pastor James Howell writes, It's the incarnation. God became flesh. God came down. God is as close as my own heartbeat and the breath that I just took. God understands us and redeems us from the inside out. This is why God's revealing of God's heart and mind came through in an infant, something we all once were, something that elicits tenderness from even the hardest among us. John 1.14 tells us, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. 
Because Jesus was flesh on earth, he experienced everything that we experience. He knew what it was like to be sick. He knew what it was like to be hungry. He knew what it was like to be tired. He even knew what it was like to die. Jesus was born just like you and me, and he knows what it's like to go through the things that we go through. For unto you is born this day, right when we need him. The angel told the shepherds, this happened today. The birth just took place. It just happened. And in some sense, the birth of Jesus is a timeless event. What I mean is when history was at its darkest back during the evil Roman Empire, hope was born into the world. Things were desperate. And now whenever we cry out to God, hope is born in our hearts again. I could be wrong, but the year 2020 isn't looking like it will go down in history as one of the most prosperous, peaceful years in U.S. history. I could be wrong. Things can turn around in the next month. If you look for it, though, there's plenty to be discouraged about in our country right now. In the year 1945, during World War II, after a B-29 bomber dropped the first ever nuclear weapon on the Japanese city of Hiroshima, a reporter stood at the site of the carnage and he declared, I am standing on the spot where the end of the world began. Now you may have asked yourself this year, where is our world heading? What in the world is going on? How should Christians respond when life is unpredictable? Well, we respond with hope. With hope. The birth, the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the return of Jesus is what gives our world hope. Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus brought hope to our hopeless world when he was born in Bethlehem and crucified on a cross. Guess what? My Bible says he's coming back. During the chaos, we have hope. Titus 2.13 says, Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. God sent Jesus to save the world once, and he's sending him soon again. Amen? Amen. If you want to know what the forecast looks like for the future, my Bible says it is bright. A white horse will appear in the sky, escorting the Savior of the world who will arrive with healing in his wings. The great hope of the church is that Jesus is coming again. But you don't have to wait, because Christ is ready to be born in our lives today. Not yesterday, not tomorrow, but right now. His timing is perfect. 2 Corinthians 6.2 tells us that today is the day of salvation. Don't procrastinate. Let Jesus come into your life today. For unto you is born this day in the city of David. This means that there was a promise kept. This phrase ties in a very important prophecy that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, the hometown of King David. Micah 5.2 reads, But you, Bethlehem Euphrates, Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Jesus didn't replace the Old Testament. He fulfilled it. 
That's why 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. This little prophecy that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem may seem insignificant, but it reminds us that God always keeps his word. One of the prophets that God used to talk to his people through was a man named Isaiah. And God gave Isaiah a lot of messages to give to his people, but some of the most amazing prophecies were those promises about the Messiah who was to come. Imagine yourself as Isaiah giving out all of these prophecies concerning the Messiah, and you're waiting for that Messiah. You are excited. You know what he is and what he will do. Isaiah never got to see all of those promises come true in his lifetime. But 600 years later, a baby was born in a small town called Bethlehem who had come to fulfill all of those prophecies. We now live in a time sort of like Isaiah did. Isaiah was looking forward to the coming Messiah and he knew that God always keeps his promises. We are too, also, looking for the Messiah, Jesus, to come again. We can have faith that he will come back because God always keeps his promises. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, our Rescuer, right? This is the first of the three titles the angel gives Jesus in the announcement, a Savior, Listen to what the angel told Joseph when he encouraged him to take Mary as his wife. He told Joseph in Matthew 1.21, She will give birth to a son, there's the ultrasound, the gender reveal, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus means God saves. Jesus' name is his job description. He was born to save, and he accomplished our salvation once and for all through a cross on Calvary. Jesus brings us our only lasting salvation. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ. He is our hope. Phillips Brooks captured the heart of Christmas with one line in the carol he wrote, O Little Town of Bethlehem. The line summarizes what Christmas means to us. And it says, The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. In the little town of Bethlehem, God met the hopes of all humanity. He met the hopes of all humanity by the birth of his son, Jesus Christ. The Jewish people had longed for their Christ, for their Messiah, for their hope, for their rescue for a long time, for hundreds of years. In fact, there's a 400-year gap between the Old Testament when God spoke through the prophets and when God was silent. People were desperate to hear from him. It had been 400 years since the prophets spoke. They needed to know that he still cared. They needed to know that he was still at work. Then there was the hope of the Gentiles who didn't have the advantage of an Old Testament prophecy. The Magi from Persia were eagerly looking for a savior. Matthew describes them in his gospel. Matthew 2, 1 through 2 says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, 
Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now the star that they saw was a sign from God designed to alert them to an event in Bethlehem that was intended for them as well. This was not just for the Jews. This was for everyone. Researchers have discovered tablets in Persia dating back to the time of Jesus' day. And those tablets predicted that a great king would be born in the West and justice, righteousness, peace, and joy would mark his reign. They even had a name for him, Sojish. These men were astronomers who searched the skies for signs that would guide them to this Messiah. God provided the ultimate sign, a supernatural star that would lead them to the baby who would bring hope to the entire world. And because they were Gentiles and, and pagans, we might not have invited them to the nativity scene, right? We would not have invited them into the home of Jesus as a, as a toddler. We might not have invited them to uh, the Last Supper. We might not have invited them to the crucifixion. But God responded to their hunger for truth. He still responds to spiritual hunger. I love the bumper sticker that says, Wise men still seek him. The good news of Christmas is that God brought hope to all people, regardless of their background. That included Jews and Gentiles both. The angel's announcement to the shepherds made that clear. Hope is a powerful force in our lives, and Christmas brings hope. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. That means if something is a Lord over your life, they are in charge. You see, this tiny baby was born to be a ruler. Think about the words of the carol, Joy to the World. Joy to the world, the Lord is come, let earth receive her king. What does a king do? A king rules over the kingdom, right? He wasn't just a cute baby lying in a manger. He was Messiah. He was Christ the Lord. He was born to secure our salvation with his very life. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we should die for our sins, basically, because that's what we deserve. Yet the perfect sacrifice, the only one who, ever, who, ever, who never sinned, paid that price, died for us on Calvary. And on the third day, God raised him up to be victorious over sin and death forever. Like the Christmas carol says, God and sinners reconciled. I've said it before, Christmas is really all about Easter, and Easter is really all about Christmas. This baby has a claim on our lives. Will we accept him like the shepherds did? Or will we reject him like the jealous King Herod did? Those are really the only two choices. Someone once said Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord of Lords. Christmas calls us to confess that he is Lord. Romans 10.9 says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, 
and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen? Amen. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. This is a very personal birth announcement. What will you do with this newborn Jesus? Will you allow him to be your rescuer, your hope? Will you allow him to be born in your heart again this year? Will you allow him to guide you and direct you each day in ways that honor God? Any comments, questions, or concerns? Nothing? Quiet today. Did you all have a good Thanksgiving? Good. Still full. Good. All right. Well, may the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. Love one another. Be good. Mm -hmm.